and I decided consciously to work on myself and um, take the journey and just rather than going and find a person, I decided to find myself because I thought this is not working. It's just there must be something, a pattern here and the pattern was me. Welcome to the Live Your Highest Expression podcast, a place to inspire and empower you to step into your most authentic, abundant, and magical life. My name is Cialano Estrella, and I'm a sacred embodiment mentor and author of the internationally acclaimed Rainbow Tablets books. The beautiful thing I've witnessed through supporting my clients is that you can create a truly magical and fulfilling life in any profession because it starts with your own embodiment. It's the process of shedding all that you are not in order to re-embody all that you truly are. So be sure to subscribe to catch new insights, tools, and stories each week. And let's get started, because there's never a better time than right now to start living your highest expression. Today, I am joined by such an amazing sister. She's a a dear, dear sister of mine. Her name is Deanna Cruz. So Deanna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I feel really honored to be here. Oh, amazing. And it's extra special because Deanna is literally like days (laughs) away from the birth of her second child. So this is such a a special moment to uh, be able to have this time. So we met, gosh, it must be seven or eight years ago now, um, at a really transitional point in our lives. I think we were both at that, kind of at that critical point of realizing that we, something had to change. Something had to change. There was this deeper calling within. We weren't living our highest path. We weren't living our truth. We weren't particularly fulfilled. And we just happened to connect and start taking the journey together. And it has been such a beautiful journey. And um, this one in particular of healing the heart, healing the trauma, coming into, you know, a beautiful um, conscious relationship, coming into that wholeness within. I think it's such a potent journey because um, it's something that affects so many of us. So today we're going to explore um, a bit about that. We're going to talk about the tools that we use to move through that. We're going to talk about once you are in divine union, how to really help that flourish and just lots of really great stuff. So Deanna, tell me about where you were at when you first met your now husband. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, seven years ago, I think, um, in August, actually. Um, I was in a place of my life where I was going through heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. Um, and I got to the point where I was absolutely decided not to keep repeating the same patterns. I didn't know how, but I decided consciously to stop dating in a sense and come back within and that's when I met you and I asked you for a healing session in your house and and you told me that my heart 
my heart, my heart chakra was the one that needed lots of healing. Um, so that's where I was at that moment. Um, and I decided consciously to work on myself and um, take the journey and just rather than going and find a person, I decided to find myself because I thought this is not working. It's just there must be something, a pattern here, and the pattern was me. So um, I was either attracting the wrong people or I was holding on to trauma. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew it had to come from me. Yeah, amazing. I love that. And the the power when you said, you know, I needed to find myself. I mean, that's so true. And I can so identify with it because, you know, I was in I was kind of in a similar position, but on the flip side of it, I was in a in a very committed relationship at that time with a beautiful man, a really, really beautiful soul. But as you know, um, you know, there were some issues there. He he came from he was Middle Eastern, he came from a certain culture and religion that um really didn't empower him to make his own life decisions. You know, he had always said he would stand up to his father, but ultimately that wasn't something that he felt that he could do. So, um, you know, there were there were issues there, even though he was such a beautiful person. The, the crippling nature of the obligations upon him and feeling like he couldn't make his own life choices. You know, his dad wanted to choose his his bride from from Iraq and, you know, um, all of that stuff, that the fact that he didn't feel he had any control over his life meant that there was a sense of almost like he was just waiting for it to be over. Like there was no passion or zest for life. And that affected me a lot, you know, because then I was in this relationship where <sighs> that kind of energy doesn't lift you, even though the person might be so beautiful that kind of energy can be quite draining. Um, and especially because I am a person that, that 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 just loves life and has that zest for life. And on top of that, you know, I was the, the main earner. So I was covering, you know, most of the, the bills. So that was locking me into a corporate um, role. And I didn't have that freedom or flexibility to do what I felt my heart desired. And I sort of came to the same realization as you. I, I, I looked at the relationship and although he was such a beautiful person, the relationship itself wasn't particularly healthy and it started to deteriorate. The more and more his dad started to put pressure on him to um, come come back and have an arranged marriage, the, the more that it put pressure on our relationship. And there came that point where I made the same decision. I had to choose myself because... I realized that in staying in this and fighting for something that, that was disintegrating and holding on to something that was disintegrating, I wasn't listening to the truth within. I wasn't listening to the call within. I wasn't following my highest path and where my heart was trying to take me. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, similar, a similar experience but the other end of the spectrum. Mm, amazing. So I remember when you met him that um, one of the things that came up was obviously this whole other layer of um, healing that needed to happen. You know, there was the 
the resistance to letting someone in. There was the fear of being loved. Um, so can you talk about what came up and, and how you wove your way through that? Yeah, what happened with him is um, I realized from the first moment he was just such a good person and his his heart is very genuine and, and pure. So for me, that was really hard because um, I knew his heart was so big that he was ready to love and I was very scared of being loved and sort of fear of abandonment too and fear of, I, I used to tell him, Where, where's the catch here? Like, um, so it took me to a whole different journey of, understanding where these blockages came from. Why was I so scared of being loved? Um, not so much of loving because I was always giving myself to my previous relationships. It was receiving love. And um, it took me to, to this whole realization that I had to heal that part of me if I really wanted to let someone in. Um, it was not about the person, it was about me and it was about my limiting beliefs and my previous traumas and previous relationships. But mainly for me, it was the relationship I had with myself. It was, I didn't feel I was worthy of love. I didn't feel I was worthy of being called a girlfriend. I don't know if you remember I was when he was my boyfriend. I couldn't even say the word boyfriend because I was nervous about it. Um, I just didn't feel worthy of any of that love, and that took me to a massive, massive healing journey um, where I had to touch my heart and go really within and see dark parts of myself that were not nice to see, but they were the the way I got through seeing the light and being able to receive. So I think I was operating on my masculine and always giving and always trying to attract the partners or I was always attracting partners that were I had to give more than what I was receiving. And with him was so even that I didn't know that dynamic. I've never been in a in a relationship where it was equal ever. So I had to learn how to open my heart. And that was the most difficult thing to do. Receiving for me was threatening. It was vulnerable. It was scary. It was a new territory. I didn't know what to do. Um, so I had to do a lot of healing around it. Yeah, amazing. You know, I can identify with that so much because um, the same relationship that, that I was referring to Although at the end, obviously, I needed to step away from it. But at the beginning, I went through all of the, the same stuff that you're talking about. And for me, it was a really massive ego death. You know, um, I, I had, you know, both of us um, had had childhood trauma that we, you know, childhood abuse that we grew up with. I my first relationship was with someone that the police ended up calling a sociopath, you know, and um, I had, you know, rape trauma that I was healing. I had 
you know, just massive unworthiness as well when you've gone from an abusive, um, you know, childhood to then going straight into an abusive relationship and then you start to really doubt yourself. You start to think, is this all I deserve? Am I a terrible judge of character? All the stuff. And what I found was I went into toxic masculine. That was my way of dealing with it. I wanted to control everything. You know, the idea of controlling situations made me feel safe. I mean, it was a fake safety, but it made me feel safe. And so part of that control was hurt them before they hurt me, you know? Um, so I would get to a certain point and then I would want to cut off the relationship because as you say, that vulnerability that comes in, it felt so unsafe for me. And especially because I hadn't, I mean, my dad was very loving, of course, but Apart from that, I really had, and my nan was very loving, but apart from that, I really hadn't experienced um, love, you know, and and I didn't know how to receive it. I didn't know how to receive it. And when um, my, my ex came in, my Iraqi ex, he was so pure and the way that even he looked at me just was like, <gasps> I didn't even know how to receive that. You know, I, I had never had someone look at me like that. And I just felt like I can't live up to what he sees in me. You know, I, the, the, the self-judgment, the critis, critical talk, the put-downs, which, again, was all the stuff that I'd heard growing up, but it was in there and I was telling myself these things. And, you know, uh, when I made that decision, as you say, it takes a lot of courage. When you make that decision, I'm going to open my heart. I... I didn't want to be a victim to my past anymore. I didn't want to never experience love because my first experiences had been so damaging, you know, and I knew that I deserved better and I knew that something better was possible, but it took like I had to go down to the tips of my toes to find that courage, you know, to, to go, I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to move through the panic and part of it was actually softening out of the masculine and coming into the feminine. And regardless of a person's gender, as we know, like everybody holds the feminine and the masculine. And we tend to gravitate towards the masculine if we're wanting to feel safe and control the situation and everything. You know, it's that kind of like very, and it puts that wall up around the heart. It puts that wall. And I know you had it as well. We were, we were both very like, you know, and when you start to break down those walls, it can feel so vulnerable. But then it really is about, again, coming back to realizing self-love because I realized as I started to break that down that all of that negative self-talk, um, I wasn't going to be able to receive love from him if I didn't feel worthy of love and it was kind of like this dual process of I needed to simultaneously uh, come into self-love myself and start to heal myself, but also it was that reflection in his eyes of starting to allow myself to see myself through his eyes that gave me that opportunity to shift my perspective of myself and, um yeah, start to see that maybe I am actually worthy. Maybe there is something worth loving here, you know. So it's a beautiful thing. And, and I know you and I have talked before about how 
when we when we're with a partner and it is divine union the way that each partner shows up and holds space for each other is such a a key aspect of it um and I, you know if you want to touch on that I'd love to hear more about it but also I know ultimately it comes down to self responsibility as well so it's like how are we showing up for ourselves so I'm, I'm wondering if you can share what were the tools that you drew on when you were going through this process? Yeah, yeah, something I was going to talk about the holding space for each other. That was one of the key components of our relationship. And it was, I was very honest with him from the beginning. And I said, I, I really want to open my heart, but I need you to be with me in this process. And he allowed me to. If he if he hadn't at that moment, I wouldn't I wouldn't have healed as much as I did. So I think one of the key things is both, uh, the two people need to be open to let the other navigate the feelings, the triggers, without judging. And it's that's why you were saying holding space for each other with love and with compassion. And that's something that team did for me in a beautiful way. Um, when we went to Peru, I had a big, big breakthrough moment and I had a really, really big healing journey. And having him sitting next to me, just rubbing my back and saying, like, I got you, even though he didn't understand what I was going through internally, for me was the moment where I realized that you don't need an end product. You don't need someone that is already finished because no one's finished. You just, I just needed him to be there for me and navigate all these feelings. And um, every time I felt triggered, I would be like, I feel you're going to abandon me or I feel um, this or I'm feeling that. And he would be so reassuring and, and telling me I'm here. Um, it's okay. So. Yeah, holding space for each other. Same way from my end, he came from a long-term relationship and he had his own things to go through and to heal. And we just both, we both understood that we were not there to fix each other or to complete each other or to, we were there to love each other unconditionally. And I know it sounds something that you hear all the time, uh, but we truly lived and breathed that from the beginning of the relationship. From the first date, we said we need to be honest with each other always, even if it breaks our hearts, listening to the truth. We need to accept each other's truth so we can grow. And we did that for each other and we still do it. You know, this is such a powerful thing. I've seen this with some of my clients as well. I think there's an instinct when we get into a relationship that we don't want to show our mess. <laughs> you know, we don't want to show our ugly parts, our unhealed parts. And so there can be that instinct to put on a mask or to, to portray the self in a certain way. And especially as the relationship progresses, I mean, obviously at the beginning, it's quite easy but then as the intimacy develops, that's when things start to come to the surface. And I've seen this with, you know, some of my clients and one of my clients had the most um, 
amazing breakthrough because she had similar things like the abandonment fears and and all of that and she was starting to really go through her own processes and she was so afraid to let her partner see it because she thought if he sees this he's going to think I'm a mess or I'm emotional or I'm needy or whatever and he's going to leave that was that was the fear and the story and I said to her look you know if this is divine union you've got to let him in on the journey. You know, it's not that you're leaning on him. It's not that you're asking anything from him, but just to let him share the journey, to be authentic and to be open. And this is the difference between the the kind of like lower frequency egoic relationships where people don't feel that they can be themselves. They feel like they're having to wear masks and there's expectations and I've got to meet those expectations and I've got to portray myself in a certain way versus two people really coming together and taking that journey together, lifting each other. As you said, it's not about needing the other person to do anything for you. You you know it's your own work, but just being witnessed, having that space held and being having that permission to be authentic and to say, I'm not perfect. You know, perfection is such a crippling concept because, you know, so many people want to be the perfect partner or, you know, the perfect husband or wife or whatever it might be. And perfection, it, it doesn't exist. You know, we're all on the journey together. And it's about that truth and that authenticity and that realness and letting them in. And that, again, comes back to the vulnerability, right? Because it's vulnerable to let people see see us in those unhealed moments. But it creates greater intimacy because if we can actually share all of ourselves and be witnessed and, you know, if all, all you need is a back rub at that time or, or a hug or just a, you've got this babe, you know, um, how amazing to be on that journey together and genuinely on that journey together. Yeah, and I think before that, going that step back, you need to learn how to hold space for yourself and take responsibility of your feelings and be have self-compassion and self-kindness and self-love and say, oh, I'm feeling like I'm a mess because... I had this upbringing or understand where it comes from and not judging yourself. So then you're able to show up to your partner and say, look at me, like this is me. I'm being vulnerable and it's not easy. But it all starts with you um, accepting your mess. Because when you don't accept it, happens what you just said, um, you show up, you show only the good parts. um, And it's not an authentic relationship that down the track um, things are going to come up that were never discussed or it's it becomes like a low frequency relationship as you say but if you are able to from the beginning explain and say look this is what's happening to me um, it's nothing about you I just I'm scared um, so if I try to run away, don't think I, I'm trying to run away from you. I'm just something's being triggered within me. And I, it happened many times. I'd be like, oh, no, I think we're done. And then he would come back the next day and laugh and say, okay, was that the Diana that was 
scared of being in a relationship. And I would be like, yeah, that was the, that was that, Diana. So the more I knew myself, the more I was able to explain to him where I was coming from and the more he was able to understand where I was coming from. So yeah, it all starts with self-responsibility, holding space for your own feelings and then show up and then have the courage to feel vulnerable because it's so hard. It's not easy. (laughs) I agree. And, you know, that's so, so beautiful. And I love that. I love that, you know, because when you're hiding everything, um, you know, if one of those, those blips comes up, then it becomes a massive thing because it hits the other person from nowhere. But I love that Tim was just able to laugh about it and go, yeah, I don't think that was the real Deanna that I know. I think that was just the, the the other side. And you're like, yeah, and you guys could just move through it, which was really beautiful. And it wasn't, you know, I, I know I was obviously, you know, I've been with you guys on the whole journey, um, not, as, not, not right there, but witnessing it. Um, and I know it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that toxic kind of thing where it's like push away or anything like that. It was just little, little, oh, little resistance moments that had to be had to be pushed through. And I love this. Yes, the self responsibility. So for the for the people who get the idea of self responsibility but they don't know how to support themselves in that, what are some of the tools that you drew upon? So, firstly, I didn't use my relationships, my relationship as um, dumping everything on him or as my healing tool or as my go-to. I had a whole thing outside of my relationship supporting me, which is you, friends, healers, my yoga practice, my meditation practice. Um, so I that's when I say self-responsibility, radical self-responsibility of my own journey. Um, So what I would share with him was, this is what's happening to me, but not expecting him to fix it because I had all these other tools helping me, which in my case was finding my own spirituality, finding my connection to source, to the divine, to my feminine, to Mother Earth. Um, so I had all this journey. I met all these beautiful people, um, all these mentors that really helped me to navigate where all these feelings were coming from. And Tim was a witness. That's that's who he was, a witness, a space holder, and unconditional love. But I had my own spirituality to rely on and my own healers and support system and I was craving it and I still have it and I still crave it um, and it it evolves with time but I think for me the key component was I found my own divinity before I found my divine union if that makes sense I know it's not the same journey for everyone there's people that can find their spirituality within the relationship but in my case I had to be outside of that relationship journey, trying to find my match to be able to connect with who I really was. So my tools was my own spiritual journey. That's what kept me going. And that's what awakened something in me, which I realized 
I'm magnificent. I'm beautiful. I'm I'm worthy of love or of of, of being loved. And mm-hmm. um, so that strong spirituality I had helped me when the triggers came up with Tim. I knew it was my ego. I knew it was my trauma talking. I knew it was my limiting beliefs. So I I sort of learned how to differentiate what was true from what was my ego. And that helped me a lot to step back and say, that wasn't me, Tim. That was my trauma talking. And then come back to my spirituality and then show up with us who I'm really at. And I'm still in that journey, just navigating the ego and the heart. Um, so for me, that was the main thing, finding my my core and my connection to spirit before yeah. I met him. That is amazing. And I love what you say about you didn't use the relationship as a dumping ground. And I think that's, I, you know, like, yes, our partners are going to take the journey with us. But I think that's such an important distinction because what can happen to so many people is because that becomes kind of like their best friend and the most central person in their lives. The instinct is to share everything with them and, and work through everything but they're actually a part of that as well. So it can become really, really heavy. So, you know, to include them in the journey and let them know what's going on and everything, but not make them the, the you know, like to have those other supports. I think that's so, so critical. You know, I'm I, I'm like you, I've, I've always had mentors and, uh, you know, really strong practices myself. I feel like that's absolutely imperative for anyone who's wanting to be self-aware. And I remember with your self-responsibility um, and, and learning to differentiate between the ego and, and your true self, you said to me um, that you would, in those moments, you would ask, is this my trauma talking or is this my heart? Am I coming from fear or am I coming from love? And I just think that's such an amazing tool to just pause and, 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 and go, where am I coming from here? That's, that's, that's the ultimate self responsibility is to, to pull ourselves up and just go, hang on, let's just see what's happening here and to be so self aware. And that's been the same for me. You know, I have such a strong spiritual practice and I think this is key for everyone to have a really strong way of centering yourself because that that's the only way you can know what is my actual frequency, what is my actual center, so that in those moments when the ego comes up, you can differentiate it because if we're not grounded within ourselves, within our true selves, it all muddles in together and it's really hard to tell what's ego, what's trauma and what's what I actually want, you know. So for me, the biggest thing has always been having morning practice. You know, I share it with all of my clients. I live and breathe it myself. You know, for people who are busy, even if it's just 15 minutes in the morning, I do an hour because uh, I, you know, work for myself so I can create that space. But for parents, you know, people getting up early to travel to, to corporate roles, just creating 15 minutes of that connection um, you know, I use the rainbow pyramid, uh, beautiful sacred design that, that is at the beginning of all of my, my activations and journeys on YouTube. It just brings us back to ourselves, brings us back to ourselves. And if we are so aware of who we are, we can feel when we slip 
out of our truth and into those lower frequencies. And that's when we can pull ourselves up and just say, hang on a minute, what's what's actually happening here? Where am I coming from? Is this coming from love or is this coming from fear? You know? And when I work through that stuff, I I love to work with cacao. I love to come into cacao ceremony. Um, or if I'm needing to move energy, sometimes you get it like, you know, like that. I don't, I've moved through a lot of this now, but I'm thinking back in the day, you know, that, that pain, that pain and the tension and, and that impulse to run, uh, drumming was great for me, you know, my medicine drum or, or getting up and shaking and dancing, like really just shaking it out of the body. So having these tools that we know, work for us you know moving that energy is a big thing sound can be great for people so really like ah, you know like move the energy because when we sit in that energy it feels almost like it's closing in on us but if we can find those ways to like i say drum shake it out dance it out sound it out stomp it out um we shift, we move the energy. And once the, the energy starts to move, we can start to come up with, come into what's actually underneath there. What's, what's asking to be witnessed, you know? And I always talk about this, you know, with my clients. We, when the traumas come up or the triggers come up or the ego comes up, it's not about getting stuck in the story. It's not about going back into victimhood or whatever it might be. It's about being that witness, being that observer. What is coming up here? What is asking to be witnessed? What is asking to be loved or forgiven? Um, you know, where does this originate? Uh, where is this held within my body? How can I release this? How can I choose a different way? You know, so just that self-awareness, that ability to come in and navigate it with ourselves. I mean, yes, like you, I, I generally have um, you know, mentors throughout my life that, that come in. Sometimes it's just, just to have someone hold space for me because I hold space for so many people that sometimes it's just nice to have someone hold space for me. At other times earlier in my life, it was to help me move through this stuff and to have that person to talk to and to reflect and bounce things off that's not the partner so that you're not like bringing drama into the relationship you know you can be open with the partner if this is what's coming up with me and this is what I'm working through but you've got the people that you're working through it with and then as you get further on in your journey you have those really developed tools that you can use yourself you know amazing thank you so much for sharing that so I want to move on now to once you're actually in a conscious relationship you're in a divine union how do you continue to help that flourish? Because it's not like suddenly we get in there and we're like, oh, everything's sunshine and rainbows. You know, we, we still have to, our, our, each person's journey is ongoing and, you know, we, we need to cultivate that beautiful, loving container. So how do you help the divine union to flourish? Yeah, that's a great question because I used to think that once you were in a relationship, you were done like happy ever after and I thought that was the part that was missing for me and that's it um and I think a relationship is such a good way of self-development as well because it's um this person is with you so for like so much 
that it's, it starts reflecting your own insecurities, your own triggers. It starts mirroring everything. And that's why I think it's a divine union because it shows you the parts of you that you don't want to see or you don't want to, you've never acknowledged because that person is witnessing you and telling you, oh, you're doing this all the time. And, and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. So it's a whole journey of, um, apart from holding space for each other, it's a whole journey of self, um, self-knowledge and also um, understanding that the other person, it's going to change every day, every year. Uh, it's, it's two people navigating life together. So I think, um, yeah, just checking in with each other regularly and, and there's going to be moments where you get lost in your own life and in your own thoughts and in your own life, but always try to reconnect and come back to, to the reason why you are together. And that could mean anything. It, it could mean different things for different relationships. But in my case, is we really need time for ourselves, especially after you have kids. It's it's another another world. But um, it's making time to remember who you are together and why you are together and remember that love that um, connects the you as as a couple and make the effort it's like a little plant you need to water the plant you can't take it for granted because you're married or you have kids or you moved in together it's something that requires I wouldn't say effort in a negative way I wouldn't say like oh it's so hard it's not hard it's beautiful because you're watering something that is giving you so much love so I never see my relationship as hard but it does require commitment from both sides of showing up for each other, even though you're busy with work and school pick up, drop off and projects and family, you have to remember that this is where it all, all started. This is this is your divine union, is your opposite, is your complement. You need to show up for each other all the time. And when you don't have the cap capacity, be honest and say, I, I can't. And that's when I think when someone's down, the other one steps up and helps. And when the other one goes down, then you realize, okay, it's my time to step up. Rather than sit back and waiting and saying, oh, no, he's been acting like a jerk lately. He's like, all right. Something must be going on with him. It's my time to hold space for him. And once you both have that consciousness of, I don't, I'm not here just to receive. I'm also a space holder. And that's hard because sometimes you just want love and, 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 but sometimes I have to step up and say, okay, this is my time to give and leave all my ego behind and say, what do you need from me? And, it's the only way it's a give and receive. And, and I grew up in a Catholic environment and they used to, to say um, love is unconditional. Love is giving all of yourself. And I never understood until I, until I met him and, and I, and we both decided to love each other unconditionally. <laughs> and it requires 
sometimes to drop your ego and say, okay, today I'm here for you. What do you need? I'm going to drop everything else for you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I, I love that so much. I like, I love it so much. And and one of the things I, I, it reminds me of something that you've said to me previously, you know, is that when there are those moments of like one, one like say the partner starts to have something come up and, and the instinct might be to, to get on the defensive or to blame. I remember you've said to me like blame leads to reactions and so it's really about having those open conversations stepping back from as you say the egoic response and to me this is also connected with expectations right because you know like the the old style of relationships was all about expectations and all about having our needs filled so it was more about kind of taking you know and um and and expecting the partner to behave a certain way but when people have things going on their behaviors are going to fluctuate and as you say if you if you kind of pounce on that it's just going to exacerbate the situation and it's not supporting them whereas if you can you can rise up and just say hey um this isn't like you uh i can see something's going on what do you need from me how can i support you wow what a different reaction to how could you do this? You know what I mean? It's just, it's a totally different approach. Yeah, but don't take me wrong. Like a lot of the times I go into that, what's wrong with you and and defensiveness and attacking, uh, blaming. Um, And when I can't see it, he's the one that tells me, you are blaming me. You're not listening. You're You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're not holding space for me. He doesn't use those words, but he said, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm just telling you how I feel. And if you could please just listen. And that's when I'm like, ooh, okay, yep, yep, sorry, step back, holding space mode, I'm here. Um, so he reminds me as well, as well as I remind him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why I say it's such a dynamic of, um holding space but reminder reminding each other of you're in the blaming mode right now you're not letting me talk i feel really unheard right now mm. and you feel like holy shit sorry yeah ego that again because you really want to fight but then you have to sit back and say yep it's your turn go for it I actually love that you've brought that up because it it is such a reminder that conscious relationships are a conscious decision (laughs) you know because those old patterns even when we are so self-aware those old patterns can come up but if if the two people have made that commitment they've made that commitment then having someone reflect it back to you and say hey I feel like you're blaming me right now and I, I I just really need you to hear me then you don't, rather than responding with even a more defensive thing, you are able to take that and just go, oh, whoa, you're right. Okay, let me realign, you know. And so that's a really beautiful thing for people to see, um, that it is it is that choice in all of those moments of how do we respond? How do we make those conscious choices to be in that um unconditional love kind of union you know so I want to share that um 
obviously I have a book on this uh, called The Rainbow Tablets, Divine Union and Sacred Sexuality. So it's got so much for people to dive into about holding divine union within, divine union with another, sacred sexuality, working with our creator force, all of this beautiful stuff. And I also have been guided to channel a beautiful three-month embodiment program, which is really deep transformational work. Because this is the thing, you and I have been on a journey. We've been on a journey of like seven years for this, you know, and we can now take so much of what we've learned and embodied and share it with others because not everyone has maybe had access to the same mentors or experiences that we have. I mean, you mentioned about going to Peru. We've, we've been to these sacred lands. We've been able to, um, yeah, I always say that our own experiences become our medicine. They become our highest service. And for me, being able to share this with others, being able to empower them to come into that self-love, into that union within the, the, the union of the divine feminine, the divine masculine, the wholeness within. And then if they choose to, how to actually cultivate that with another, that feels like it, it just feels like my whole life has been leading to this moment because it has been a lifelong journey for me. And I know you're the same. So I, I will just say to anybody who wants to look into that, uh, the, the three month embodiment course is on my website, cialanoestrella.com. And, um, do you want to just talk a little bit about how people can connect with you? Yeah. So I'm taking a break now because I'm about to have a baby, but, um, yeah, I am in Instagram as, um, Diana Cruz dot sacred ceremonies and I'm hoping in the next six months or year I don't know how long it's gonna take me um to offer uh, more of these ceremonies and rituals and I've been offering belly blessings for pregnant mamas and yeah everything related to sacredness and I also think your course is amazing and the book is just divine <laughs> yeah now I started reading it and it's just um it's real it's 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 really what we need as humanity to heal together and navigate and come back to love and to sacred union and to raise kids or not with love and have conscious relationships in in all senses. So yeah, thanks for all the work you do as well. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe and share. If you're ready to start living your most authentic, abundant and magical life, head over to cialanoestrella.com now. And remember, you came here to live your highest expression. So claim it today.